0: Hey agency owners, as someone that's run Google ads for my own business, as well as on behalf of my clients, I know how time consuming it can be to constantly be monitoring and optimizing those ads. I've got good news for you. There's a new tool called Optio that monitors your accounts for statistically significant patterns and suggests improvements that can push live to Google ads in just a few seconds. Improvements help you manage keywords, test ads, and optimize bids. Get your time back. Let the machines do the heavy lifting. Check out Optio.com slash gurus and get started with a six-week extended free trial. That's Optio.com slash gurus. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Joanna Galveo, Joanna is the co-founder of GIF Design Studios, an award-winning design agency specializing in brand identities and conversion-obsessed design. She's based in Porto, Portugal with a team of seven designers and developers. Joanna speaks internationally on the power of design and creativity, and her work has been featured in The Guardian UK, Brand Brilliance, and Digital Arts Magazine. Joanna, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Brent. I'm excited to be here.
0: So I talked a little bit about your agency and just your intro that you guys are based in uh, Portugal with a team of seven. Can you kind of paint us a picture of what your uh, what your studio is like and uh, the types of clients you work with and, and a little bit more about your agency as it is today?
1: Sure, of course. So our studio is like in the center of Porto. If you haven't visited, I highly recommend. It's a great city. And we even have like a view to the ocean, which is great. It's one of the reasons we moved here. Because our agency was actually founded in London. And yeah, we're like, we're a small team, seven. We're pretty, all pretty tight. And we specialize, like you said, in brand identities and websites, mainly in the, and this is actually how you and I met Brent, but mainly in the digital marketer space. So we did Taki Moore's website, who we know in common and a bunch of other friends, I think that we have in common as well.
0: So you basically helped people that are, are very much in that in the digital marketing kind of internet marketing space uh, on the website side uh, is kind of been your, yeah, your core history.
1: We bec- yeah we became known for uh, doing some um, web design for Lewis House, and you know he's a he's a big deal in the digital marketing space, and he's been on you know. Uh, Daytime American TV and all of that. And his audience is so big that everyone else in his industry was like, well, if you did work for Lewis Lewis House, then I want you to do work for me. And we became just kind of like known in that little niche. We're trying to branch out now, but it it can be hard when you're known in a specific niche.
0: Out of curiosity, how, how how did Lewis end up hiring you?
1: We met at a conference which is basically how I think I've met all of my clients at <laughs> events. They're great <laughs> for networking. For it was sure. one in the Philippines, actually.
0: Oh, wow. So you were at an event there and he was there, what, like looking at ways to kind of hire and expand internationally in that way?
1: So the, the event was Tropical Think Tank. So the idea is to bring 50 people together so that we all hang out in like a great resort in the Philippines, and just learn from each other and have masterminds. And then Chris Ducker, who organized it, would bring in some speakers so that we get kind of like teachings in the morning, and then would mastermind in the afternoons.
0: You mentioned that you uh, first started your um, your agency in London, but then you made the the move out to. Uh, Portugal. Was that just for from a lifestyle standpoint or uh, what were some of the factors that went into that decision?
1: So it definitely lifestyle played a big part in it. I'm actually Portuguese. Um, I know I sound American. A lot of people assume I'm American, but for for your listeners, I'm Portuguese. And so I met my husband who's Portuguese in London and he was actually the one that suggested we move back home to start this agency at a lower risk because uh, staff is cheaper here, not as cheap as in the Philippines, but uh, it's cheaper here, rent is cheaper. And we'd also not only have great lifestyle here because of the sunshine and the great food, but we'd also be closer to our family. So it just seemed like a win-win all around.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So what, I mean, I assume a lot of your clients are not in Portugal or, or are they?
1: No, um, none of them are actually in Portugal. We've tried to get some clients locally, but they don't really appreciate the power, the value of design and a good website. Um, I guess we still have the culture here that's like, oh, my cousin can do it for free. Uh, So I mainly started to go to events in the U.S. because I just feel like the U.S. is such an is so advanced in so many things, and especially events and conferences, they have so many of them. And I would always go with the intent of learning and would always leave with clients. So most of our clients are in the US, but they're also just spread out throughout the world. I think we have clients in 18 different countries now, which is cool.
0: Wow. I I am curious because there's a handful of, of listeners that I know for a fact are running their agency virtually from abroad, uh, or, or they're just running their agency in a way where they're not, you know, their their core geographic region is not really where the it's not the pond that they fish from, so to speak. So, so what are some of the the challenges that you experience working with such a, a diverse range of clients across the globe? I mean, 18 different countries. I mean, that's a that's a lot of that's a pretty broad geographic range. I mean, are there things that you guys have had to overcome in terms of communication or project management or uh, how all that stuff works?
1: I wouldn't say you know i i definitely say that the benefits would outweigh the cons in in like working virtually with uh these countries the only thing that we've struggled with is that you know my team are all portuguese i hired them all locally we all work together in the same physical office even though we work virtually for our clients and so i've had to teach them a lot of things like expressions, um, in English, uh, or how things differ from America to the UK, like teach them, by the way, guys, if we're doing some print for the U S you have to use letter size. Whereas in Europe, you have to use a four size, you know, it's cultural things like that, um, have been something that I've had to really pay attention to, to make sure that my team are aware of them. So I would say that's the main challenge. A lot of people ask about time zones. Um, but I actually think it's a plus. You know, I, you know, we're five hours ahead of New York, eight hours away ahead of LA, which just means that our mornings, we can do really deep creative work and not have our clients bug us, which is great. <laughs> and then I just keep my afternoons for meetings and replying to their emails. And then it's great because for, from our clients perspective, they're like, well, I send you something at night, and then when I wake up, it's done. It's fantastic.
0: Very cool, and you don't have your your clients. You know, they're they're literally not online or awake yet to be bothering you. Or there's like a dedicated window where they can, where there's there's some overlap there. So that's pretty cool.
1: Right, except the Australian ones. They'll they'll be up way before we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so 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 Taki and others. They 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 still bother you uh, uh, on the on the AM side for you guys.
1: Well, you know, Taki lives in a different country every month, so maybe not him. But yeah, like with the other Australian uh, clients there, I'll have to get up really early. That's the only, I think, downside is I'll get up at like 7 a.m. to have a call with them at 8. Um, And then I won't have another call till like 4 p.m.
0: So you've said uh, today your team is 7 and they're 100% in your office in uh, Portugal. What are, I'm just out of curiosity, like what are some of the other challenges or experiences uh, as you've grown and scaled your agency that you've experienced uh, just building a team?
1: Oh my God, Brent. I don't know how many people in your audience have teams, but I would say that is the hardest thing of building an agency hands down. (laughs) It's the most challenging. I never thought, I thought, you know, like getting clients would be the hardest thing, but managing people is definitely where I've grown most as the person. And, you know, like my husband and I, we started hiring pretty early on and I started this agency when I was 22. So just picture yourself when you were 22, hiring two people, you know, how scary that feels, uh, when you just like, I haven't even had a, full year having a boss, you know, and here I was like becoming one. So I thought that the smart thing was to hire people who were younger than me. And so I went to a website, I picked two people who were just about to graduate. They hadn't even graduated yet. I just went to their university website, saw their portfolios. And I'm like, Oh, these two, I like their work. They're still in school. So probably haven't started looking for a job. Let me just hire them. And it was going well, you know, they were loving it because it was like exciting. Like just, we were building something from scratch. At the beginning, we were working from coffee shops and I was buying them lunches and we were like, we're really close. But then there was a point where I don't know where in time, but it just started to feel like something was off. And one day in particular, I got back from lunch. I, I had lunch with a friend. I got back and I had left my income report on my desk, which is something I don't openly share with um, my team. Uh, that's like a whole other conversation. Like, do we, do we share how much the agency is making or not? But at the time I wasn't. And, and I had the income report on my desk. And when I come back from lunch, it's gone. And I asked my, my team, the two girls, I'm like, Hey girls, there was a a sheet on my desk with some numbers. Did you see it? And they said, no, we never go to your desk. We don't know what you're talking about. But the next day it was back on my desk. Mm. So yeah, so (laughs) I just felt sick to my stomach. I'm like, we didn't even have a cleaner at the time. So it was, it could only be them. And I was looking everywhere for that piece of paper. And so that was the first sign that like, oof okay, this is just, it did not feel good. You know, being lied to from.
0: Yeah, just uh, the trust. I I mean, I feel like trust is so at the, I mean, it's like the bedrock of any relationship in general, uh, let alone with your team, because you're probably trusting them with a lot more than just, you know, your income report or whatever, but like, you know, client stuff and, and other probably sensitive information. So that can probably rock the boat quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it's become like one of my core values when I hire. So I have like three H's uh, that someone needs to tick when we bring them onto the team, which is uh, humble, hungry, you know, thirsty for knowledge and growth and and always wanting to learn more and honest. And yeah, they broke my trust and that was... At the beginning of like the worst period, I think in my in my life as an agency owner. So what happened next was um, I confronted them about it, and they were like, "Actually, we were meaning to talk to you." Like making it like two on on one, you know. Like they, if I felt like they ganged up together, and they're wow. like, "Yeah, okay," like, but actually, we need to talk, Joanna. I'm like, "Oh." Uh, am I allowed to swear on this? <laughs> like, oh crap! Like, this is like, what is coming? You know, this is such bad news. First, they lie, then they're seeing my numbers. Um, and I think at the time we we're bringing in like fifteen thousand a month, and they just to give you an idea of of numbers here in Portugal, they were earning a thousand euros uh, a month, which it was a high salary for a junior. You know, it can vary greatly from the U.S. So they probably looked at that and they're like, "Hmm, fifteen minus two of us. Joanna's putting in her pocket thirteen grand a month." And of course, if you know, if you own an agency, you know that's not the case. You have to pay for computers, rent, electricity, like all Adobe right. licenses alone are through the roof. All the things, and I don't really think that they took that into consideration. So they they sat me down, <laughs> they sat me down, and they're like, "So we um, realized that if you're charging U.S. rates, we want U.S. salaries. We did some researching, and that should be three thousand euros. So you should triple our salaries right now, or we leave."
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, of course. Thank goodness
1: <laughs> I could look look at it, look back on it and think like. That is so laughable. We were all so young and immature. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Because <laughs> who asks their boss to triple their salary? I mean, it takes guts. It takes guts. So of course, I told them I can't do that. I'm really sorry. And so they're like, okay, well, then we're going to quit. Bye-bye. And we're not going to give you your notice. Because uh, we were very young. We still had like young and, and business-wise, we still hadn't... Uh, closed the contracts with our lawyers to have them sign a contract. So it was still all like freelance basis, um, in paper. And so they didn't even give me 30 days. So here I was, I had just closed Lewis house as a client. Hmm. Um, (laughs) I know I was like, you get your biggest client and you have all the other clients as well. And I'm the one doing all the emailing project managing. They're the ones producing the work. And suddenly they're both, gone. Not only are they gone, but they've lied to me. They've left me feeling like I can't do this. I was not made to be a boss. This is like the hardest thing. How did they turn on me like this? And then I get an email from a client of mine and it's, the client replying to them. So they had emailed my client saying, we're Joanna's old designers. We've just left her to start an agency and we'll do the same work we were doing for you for half the price. Hmm. Can you imagine? And my client replied saying, but more important than your talent is your integrity. And it looks like you don't have much of that. So thank you, but no, thank you. I'll stick with Joanna. And they CC'd me in that email. Well, so, it's good to see that. that your
0: clients live your three H's, um, but maybe not those yes. former employees. I, I think there's a there's a special place in the world for people that, you know, go and and work for a company and do that. You know, I mean it's uh I'm sure it's tempting for a lot of people or it seems like a viable option, but it's uh, you know, eventually it's gonna come back and and you know, burn them in some way, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah and you're right there's like definitely a silver lining in this story i mean it showed how loyal my clients are it also showed me that they were not the right ones to have on my team but um it also i learned a lot um about my leadership and how i was as a leader because before they left i actually took one of them aside and and i was like just okay i You know, I was still being naive. I was like, I don't want us to, you know, part ways feeling negatively about each other. I mean, of course we did, but tell me what I did wrong. And she started just ranting off like a list. It's like, she was probably sitting on that list for a long time. And that's when I learned all the things I had done wrong. And the first one being, I had never created this safe space for them to tell me things Mm. like that. And and there were simple things like we don't like that our computers are facing a wall. Why can't it be like, why can't we rearrange the I, the desks so we're facing each other? You know, that's so simple. If they had come up to me and said that, I would have been like, of course, go go change the furniture around. I don't mind. But I also never created that space for them to come up and tell me like, what would you change in this agency or how should I be doing something different that you think would contribute to the well-being of everyone in the agency. And that was like the main thing that I learned I needed to start doing. The other thing that I was doing, which I've quit, you know, immediately after that is I was macro managing them. I think as a young agency owner, you're so eager to please every client that comes through the door that you'll accept their demanding requests. And then they're like, I need this for tomorrow uh, request. And so I would like pause what they're doing and Okay. Now do this. Okay. Are you done? Like looking over their shoulder? Like, no, no, no. You want to center down and do this. Okay. Great. Give it to me. And now go do that other thing. And I constantly be looking over their shoulder, just micromanaging their every move. And that also probably contributed to them wanting to quit.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, a first I just want to—I
1: probably still do mistakes. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, I'm sure there's a there's a micromanager I- inside of us all, uh, no matter how good we get at it. But I, I just want to give you props for in that moment of obviously, uh, you know, a lot of frustration um, and probably a lot of heartache and emotional ups and downs of actually ha- being bold enough to solicit feedback from those team members i mean i think that's that's uh, that takes a lot to say to say to a team member you know hey how did i fail as a leader uh, in that moment and i think probably the takeaway for our re- our our listeners is you know don't wait till the team members leave to solicit feedback as a leader i think it takes a, a really confident uh and capable leader to solicit feedback and also to integrate that into your you know, into your business and into your way of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes it's feedback you might not actually take or listen to, like it might not be really relevant feedback, but you know, that safe place thing for you. I mean, that feels, that feels like something that's not going to stay with you for the rest of your entrepreneurial career. Like whatever costs were associated with this situation early on, you know, the upside for you having this new mindset for the rest of your business is probably, you know, well paying that off.
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, I, I, f- I feel it has. Um, so what we do now is we, and, and we've played around with different ways to do this, but at first I just, the minute they walk in as, as a team, as a team member, I always tell them like at any point in time, if you need a meeting, if you want to tell me like if there's anything wrong, even if there's something wrong happening at home and you feel that's contributing to you, not fo- being able to focus as well, just warn me before. So I don't like tell you off for something. But now we do like a monthly, just hour where we just chat and we can we can use it to vent. We can. I also encourage them to say like, well, were three positive things uh, that happened last month, or three things that you felt we could improve on, and we just have like a candid chat.
0: Are, are those those are one on one, or is that with your team as a group?
1: So the monthly ones, we'll do uh, the team as a group and then I'll do quarterly one-on-ones with everyone just to check in and and then also do like, you know, career progression things. All very unstructured. I wish I was more structured than that, but just being like, is there anything you want to learn? Any course that we could enroll you on or what are you struggling with at the moment? How can we help? Things like that.
0: That's great. There's definitely some... Some key takeaways, I think, for our listeners of you know having communicating that you have an open door policy and actually being okay with that if they do come to you with issues uh, and not freaking out about that or getting upset or defensive, I think, is important. Because if a team member comes to you and says, "Hey, I've got this problem with this thing," and you're like, "Oh no, that's not really a problem," or whatever, that could that could definitely be be challenging. But I like the the monthly group chat, the quarterly one on ones. I think, join even if it's unstructured. Just creating, as you said, creating space for them to voice issues is huge. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Are you a web agency or freelance web designer that's trying to add recurring revenue profits by offering your clients SEO services? Well, I've got good news for you. There's a new service that is basically the design pickle for white label SEO. Their team hooks you up with unlimited SEO tasks for one monthly fee. You got to check them out at seobrothers.co forward slash uGurus. They're giving our listeners fifty percent off their first month and an awesome money back guarantee. That's seobrothers.co forward slash You Gurus. All right, let's get back to our interview. What, what about on the on the micromanaging side? What what are some of the things that you do now to avoid the looking over the shoulder and uh, directing the day to day?
1: Well. First, I've actually physically moved to a different office.
0: <laughs> ah, like a different, uh, like a, a different office within your but office like or a different like
1: within my office. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I no longer have them against the wall. So like, I can't even look at their screens if they wanted to, uh, if I wanted to. And what we do is, um, I actually, I've put it in their responsibility to refine our processes. So, um, Once someone, one of the team members, they shared like, you know, Joanna, like doing mood boards before we do like brand identities, we think it's actually slowing down the process and we don't like doing them. Um, And I was like, oh, okay, so what do you propose? And they had all these ideas. And so what I did was like, um, I told them like, okay, it's your responsibility to put together the process, the new process of how you envision we do brand identity projects from like, when do I come in? When do you solicit my help? When do we do brainstorms? What information do we need from the client? So because they're the ones that designed that process, I think I had like some feedback that then we implemented as a group. I know that I'm only meant to go in, in the brainstorming um, phase. And then whenever they call me for creative direction, and that's been how we've, how I would no longer need to micromanage them, micromanage them because they've actually come up with a process. They've actually decided where I get to come in and give them feedback and help.
0: Do you, uh, I'm curious on, on this, this front of client communication, given your experience with your team, trying to poach your clients, attempting to, at least, I don't know if they were successful with any of them. But is that something that you're still sensitive to? Or have you been able to kind of overcome that and continue to trust your team to interface with clients?
1: No, I actually think I decided to do the opposite, be even more open. So if you go on our website, you can see who's worked on which project and what was their role in it. So you can see who did the illustrations for this and who did the creative direction and who did the web design. And if our clients wanted they could google them and they could find their instagram whatever they could private message them and hire them and i feel like if i feel like if i was precious about it i don't know maybe this is this is i don't know where this belief comes from but i feel if i was precious about it that would just like uh, be more likely to happen because i'm so like open about who does what and putting that on the website then i feel like the team feel that i really trust them And so that probably makes them really trust me back. At least that's how I hope that happens. I hope that by shining a spotlight on them and being like, look, everyone, this is who did this, this person did this piece of work. They're not going to have the guts to go behind my back and do something bad because, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's... I don't know, maybe
1: I'm naive, but it hasn't <laughs> happened in 5 years. <laughs>
0: well, and I, I talked to to my clients about this too. It's like it's like if you um I mean the alternative is that you don't trust your team to talk with your clients, which I mean I just can imagine any agency that has you know more than 5 clients I mean it just becomes very untenable to, to for you to be the bottleneck of all communication or to have one one key team member be the bottleneck for all communication I mean it just makes everything mm-hmm. so much easier and better in the business when you know everybody can you know in, in the right way talk with customers and clients and kind of see what's going on and be able to communicate and carry their own bag and, and make things happen. Um, and, and I always hate to hear, because I hear it a lot from agency owners, they're like, oh my God, you you trust your team to talk to to clients? Like, what if they steal them? Or you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like that's, you know, like, I mean, obviously the risk is real. I mean, you you went through that, but it's, it's really cool to hear that even through that experience, that your solution was not to have some crazy like lockdown policy. And it's more about uh, trusting more and leaning into that and, and empowering your team and and yes, shining the spotlight on them. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And, and then the other thing is like our clients, their personality brands, you could find them so easily and they probably will reply to your direct messages. It's like, I could never possibly hide them from mm. my team, even if I wanted to. So I just feel like if everyone knows who's working on what and, and knows that the team know that they can get in touch with the client if they want. I, I just, I just really hope that by being a good person, people be, you know, it's that thing like treat others as you'd like to be treated. Mm -hmm. And if they, if they do something like that, then I really don't want them in my life.
0: I'm curious, Joanna. Uh, we've we've kind of gone down the the conversation of of leadership today, and we're, we've been talking very much about um, you know some past experience. I mean, what are the things that you today as an agency owner know that you are you're, you're kind of still you know working in progress on? I mean, what are what are kind of the areas of of leadership that you're you're really present to today and kind of working on improving within your agency? Oh my God, everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a perfectionist. I think everything is a work in progress. Um, okay, well, so like, I really wish that I had more time to help my team, to help them craft more of like career progression. It's just, like, we're so small. I mean, it's not like you're they're gonna get a promotion, you know, promoted to what? I mean, there's nothing else. There's just, it's just us. We make the work. So I, I wish that I had more of like either objectives maybe incentives for bonuses, things like that. I just haven't figured that out yet. So that's something that I want to focus on to keep them motivated because some of them have been with me for four years and I'm starting to get like anxious, like four years, that's a long time. Why have they stuck around? Like, what if, <laughs> like do I need to be doing something different now to keep them entertain? Well, you know, engaged and entertained and, you know, I don't want to stay stagnant. So that's what I'm like in the leadership in leadership, that's what I'm struggling with at the moment. It's like how do I do that
0: yeah, that's really cool I like just just that topic of how do you how do you help somebody grow you know versus like if they're in a corporate job and there's a thousand people you know there's kind of this ladder that they can climb, but how do you help somebody grow with with kind of that ladderless organization uh maybe besides just adding you know lead designer or top lead designer to their uh title, which probably <laughs> you know only goes so right. far
1: exactly, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Joanna, this has been a super insightful conversation, and I appreciate you sharing a little bit of the back of the house, some of those painful stories that might not be uh, the most exciting for you to, to bring up and drudge up. But I feel like our listeners probably pulled a lot of nuggets today, both in a couple of your, your tips of creating that safe place, uh, you know, how to avoid micromanaging uh, and and really just, uh, I mean, even going through like your, your, your three H kind of core values. um, I think there was a lot of nuggets for our audience today. So thank you for sharing this with us. Are you ready for uh, our lightning round?
1: I am. Yes, I think I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, here it comes. Uh, Uh, All right. What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: That I already have the answer within me.
0: Hmm. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: Oh, so this is like really simple and underrated, but long weekly walks with like no phone, no nothing. It's where I get the most ideas uh, from.
0: That's in a, nature, preferably. Yeah, that's a really cool. Nobody hit. Just, just so you know, we're like 110, 115 episodes in, and nobody has brought up I think something so simple, but obviously so powerful. So that's awesome. <laughs>
1: Maybe it's too simple, but like all the greats <laughs> did it. So go yeah, try it. I
0: mean, you know, Steve Jobs was famous for you know, let's take a walk, and you know, uh, that could be a good or a bad thing. Mostly good, I think, uh, for people around him. But he did a lot of a lot of walk and talk meetings. So. Um, I know that can be, be powerful. Uh, can you share an internet resource, a tool that you use or an app that you think our listeners would find valuable?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm obsessed with my iPad pro. I actually think it was cause I tried yours. Do you, you have one, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were, cause we sat next to each other at that event yeah. and I was probably doing all my notes on there.
1: Right. So I'm obsessed with the app notability. Uh, on the iPad, but for anyone who doesn't have an iPad, um, my go-to resource for getting inspired and learning new things, uh, not just like the biz side of running a design agency, but also like great videos on design tutorials that I could show to my team is the future, the future without an E at the end on YouTube.
0: Very cool. We will definitely link out to the future. I'm a big fan of of Chris and all he does over there. So they're good people. Uh, And also uh, whenever I do like webinars and stuff, people always ask me, like when I screen share the iPad, they're like, what's that app? So we will proudly link out to Notability and uh, (laughs) the iPad Pro as if Apple needs more business, but we will link to them as well. Joanna, what book would you recommend and why?
1: The Art, The War of Art. Uh, by Stephen Pressfield is my favorite. It's a book on how to overcome resistance, especially when it comes to creative endeavors, and it's just like every I think every line in that book is highlighted. It's just there's so much truth in it and I it just yeah, go read it. It's so good. <laughs>
0: that was one of my my favorite books uh of last year. So definitely can also recommend that as well resistance with a capital r you'll learn all about that in the war of art so we'll link out to that book recommendation (laughs) and all the other great takeaways and uh notes from today over at our podcast page and show notes check it out yougurus.com forward slash podcast you'll see joanna's episode right up there at the top if you're uh, listening to this week of joanna how can our audience find out more about you is there anything that you have that they can check out
1: uh, well, I hang out a lot on Instagram and I do sometimes like ask me anything. Uh So I'd love if you like come and say hi, reply to all my DMs because I, I don't have a big following uh, or anything. You know, I'm just busy running my agency. Uh, so go find me on Instagram at Joanna Galveo Design. And then if you want to check out our agency just for fun, it's giftdesignstudios.com.
0: Very cool. I definitely recommend our uh, listeners check out your your work. I think you guys have an amazing portfolio. So check that out at her website. We'll link out to uh, Joanna's Instagram, her website, uh, and all those great resources and links again on our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Joanna, thank you so much for stopping by the program today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brent. This is great.
0: That's it for this week's episode of The Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to The Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode.